In this episode, we crack the code with Resident Evil Code Veronica X and why you cannot, you absolutely cannot allow me to buy a Dreamcast. Let's do it. What's up, companion? I'm your host, Tom Tate, and I'm on a mission to trim and prioritize my ever-growing backlog, and I'm doing it with your help. I've hand-selected 30 games for my backlog. Each day, we'll take a good look at a single game and evaluate if it's worth playing or ditching. At the end of the month, I'm going to pick 10 games to play over the next few months, 10 games to set aside for another day, and 10 games to purge completely. I'm never, ever going to play them. And I can't do that without you letting me know which ones to play and which ones to skip. So definitely reach out to me and advocate for or against your favorite games. Today, we're taking a look at Resident Evil Code Veronica X. Let's go. We're stepping back to the early 2000s. Sega's swan song, the Sega Dreamcast, released in the US on 9999, September 9th, 1999. And while it didn't do so great, despite having a completely impressive launch lineup and, and being a fairly uh, technical console, I mean, a really performant console, uh, and it was released before the PS2, so you would think it beat the PS2 to the punch. Uh, it just didn't do that well. I mentioned in the Skies of Arcadia Legends episode that I didn't have a Dreamcast in my life ever, despite really wanting one. So I missed out on all the titles that came to Dreamcast exclusively. And one of those titles was Resident Evil Code Veronica. This was a proper sequel to Resident Evil 2. I was such a huge fan of the Resident Evil series when they first hit. I remember in seventh grade playing Resident Evil 1 on PlayStation at a sleepover at my friend John's house, and we were terrified, but we couldn't put the game down because it was just so compelling and engaging. We really didn't play anything like that at the time. Uh, likewise, I remember being really blown away by the dual campaigns presented in Resident Evil 2. Uh, so I remember playing through every possible combination of that game and all the bonus stuff, uh, Tofu, for example, uh, that game had two discs. It had the Leon disc and the Claire disc. And I really do recall just kind of like burning through both of those discs multiple times. And when Resident Evil 3 was released, I, I don't remember being super hyped for it. I kind of lost the, the lust for playing this, the, this type of title because I remember Resident Evil 3 just looked like more of the same. It really just looked like more of the same of Resident Evil 2. And I think I just bought and played through Dino Crisis, which was more or less Resident Evil with dinosaurs. And that's amazing. You really can't beat that. Dino Crisis is such a fun game. So I, I passed on Resident Evil 3. And eventually, you know, I would come to learn about Code Veronica by way of magazine articles and screenshots and magazines. The 3D graphics and environments, I remember them looking really different at the time and being engaged by that. I, I remember being curious, really wanting to check out this game after skipping Resident Evil 3, learning a little bit about it. Like I wanted to jump into this game. The models, the character models, it looked more like something you would see in the arcades, like Sega arcades, uh, similar to let's say House of the Dead. And it was released in early 2000, uh, not too long after the console dropped and it sold a ton of copies. So it did really well. You know, so I remember this game. I remember seeing the box art. I remember 
picking it up, wanting a Dreamcast so that I could play it, uh, this and a couple other Dreamcast games. But I never got, I never got to it. Uh, technically, this game takes place after Resident Evil 2, um, which was my favorite Resident Evil. You controlled Claire and Chris Redfield uh, in a continuation of their stories from Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2. And I, I just didn't have a Dreamcast, so I skipped this one. Eventually, I ended up with a PlayStation 2, and that was really because of the allure of a DVD player, which at the time was just so great. Uh, so I was just so interested in getting a DVD player uh, by way of a PlayStation 2. Um, Capcom was really smart. So the writing was on the wall for Dreamcast. So what they did was they re-released Code Veronica. They've re-released it for the PlayStation 2. So I did have the opportunity to play this game and I didn't do it. Uh, it also came out on the Dreamcast as well, that second real release. Uh, that was in 2001, and it was under the name Code Veronica X. Now, I would later play Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, which was really revolutionary for the series. You can get this game on any console in multiple iterations now, and I played it so many times. <laughs> I remember, I think the Wii version was probably, probably the last time I played it and my favorite version, uh, but I've played this game so many times I played five and six later on, but five and six felt again, like a little stale, more of the same, but I never returned to Resident Evil 3 or Code Veronica. So when Code Veronica X uh, emulated for the PlayStation 4 uh, ended up in a Sega plus Capcom hum humble bundle, I knew that this was a good buy. I don't remember how much I paid for it, but like all of those humble bundles, uh, it was a good price. And it just added to my backlog bloat, but I was totally cool with it. And I recall downloading this title onto my PlayStation 4 and it sat there and it is still sitting there and I just haven't taken the time to play it. You know, last October, Halloween season probably probably would have been a good time for me to sit down and play, but I just didn't do it. So what do you think? Do you think I should play Code Veronica X? Should it make the cuts? Have you played this game? Is it one of your favorite Resident Evils or is it one worth skipping? be sure to let me know. You can tweet me at yo power time, Y O power time. And let me know if I should play it, skip it or ditch it. You can also email me at Tom at video and let me know. All right, here's the deal. Friends do not let friends buy used dreamcast consoles. Why? Because you're just begging to have your backlog burst at the seams. There are so many great games on Dreamcast. I remember the Dreamcast so well. My neighbor, Laura, had one and a friend from high school, uh, Ryan, had one as well. And we used to play all the time. Uh, before the PS2 really took off, it was impossible to not marvel at the graphics, uh, the graphics and the audio upgrades from previous generations, previous consoles. It was really, really nice. The uniqueness of the controller, the sheer playability of the whole thing, it just felt different and kind of cutting edge, kind of groundbreaking. Uh, there was a network component that I don't remember utilizing, but the fact that it could connect to the internet was really exciting at the time. Uh, if you remember the Dreamcast, you'll likely remember the VMU, the visual memory card units. Uh, this thing uh, was like a game within a game. It slid into the center of, a, of your controller um, and you could take it out. It had face buttons, it had a D-pad and it had an LCD screen. The LCD screen was kind of primitive. It was like a little Tamagotchi. 
Uh, but when you plugged it in, it would show stuff on the screen related to the game. So it was kind of like an early second screen experience, similar to like the Wii U. Uh, which was really interesting at the time. I only recall it being used for a couple of games, NFL 2K games, where you could select secret plays. Uh, But it was really, really interesting. I just remember the Dreamcast being something that I did really want at the time, and I'm a little upset I never got one. A few specific titles come to mind that made me really jealous because of their exclusivity. You know, growing up, we vacationed at the Jersey Shore in Ocean City. So the boardwalk had a few large arcades that had all of my favorite Sega and Capcom games, Jumbo Safari, Crazy Taxi, Time Stalkers, House of the Dead 2, Marvel vs. Capcom. And to see them come to life on my friends' home TVs in their basements was really something else. It was awesome. Even games like Choo Choo Rocket made me want want a Dreamcast. I remember seeing Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on the Dreamcast and being really impressed, even though I had something super similar already on the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation. Just seeing it on that Dreamcast was really, really cool. I also recall the Dreamcast being ridiculously easy to pirate games on. You might remember this too. Uh, I think someone's dad picked up a pack of like 25 burnt DVDs that housed all these pirated games. Uh, So my friend's... Uh, my friends that had Dreamcasts, they had huge libraries, like huge collections, uh, and it was all from pirated games. Uh, and if you want a Dreamcast today, you can actually pick one up between like 60 to $80. They're not super expensive. Uh, and if you want to modify it, there's a really huge community of people who are modifying Dreamcasts and doing a lot of really in- uh, interesting things, putting out interesting products. Uh, dreammods.net is a great resource. There's another one that I'll also link in the show notes. Uh, One of the mods, uh, GDEMU or GDMU, uh, it lets you run Dreamcast games from an SD card, replacing the need for the optical disk drive for you to actually read disks. And the reason behind this, uh, it's because eventually and frequently the drives will fail. You know, those disk drives that are included in all of those optical-based games, uh, those are going to fail one day. And a lot of them have failed already. Uh, So it's really not like you know, you need this SD card functionality so that you can pirate games or play ROMs or play uh, game images. You know, the real reason behind that is because like the hardware will fail. And this is just one opportunity to, again, use the original hardware as it was intended uh, without, you know, failing mechanical stuff. Um, There are wireless controller mods, upgrades to the power supply, Uh, And the upgrade to the power supply is interesting. It cools down a hot Dreamcast, which probably is running hotter because you installed other mods. So it's all kind of interconnected. So buying a Dreamcast becomes a quick money pit uh, if you want to go down that route, even though it's kind of affordable to pick one up, Um, especially if you want to legally obtain the games. Then you have to go source those. You know, uh, in the first month of the Dreamcast release, there was House of the Dead 2, Hydro Thunder, NFL Blitz, Power Stone, Soul Calibur, Sonic Adventure, Marvel vs. Capcom, Time Stalkers. That was all like within 30 days of the game of the console's release. Um, and I haven't played half of those games. So if I got a Dreamcast, I'd be sourcing those games, right? And my backlog would grow incredibly. And then later on in the console's life cycle, we had Street Fighter Alpha 3, Space Channel 5, Jet Grind Radio, which I've never played, Shenmue and Shenmue 2, which I've also never played, Skies of Arcadia, which we talked about on episode two, and Ikaruga, uh, which is actually on uh, Nintendo Switch now. Uh, Lots of backlog killers, if I've ever seen them. So please, friends, do not let me buy 
a, seg a Sega Dreamcast. But back to the task at hand, eventually I'll need to evaluate a Resident Evil Code Veronica X. And I need you to let me know, will Code Veronica X make the cut? Your opinion and your feedback will definitely help me make that decision. Subscribe to Backlog Companion on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along to find out the fate of this game. Want to advocate for a specific game? Check out the list and email me at tom at videogamepodcasts.com and let me know. I'll read those notes on an upcoming show if you send them to me. And of course, follow along on Twitter at YoPowerTime, Y-O PowerTime. And in the absence of a Patreon account to support the show, leaving a review is super, super helpful. Keep it honest too. Uh, I won't get upset. I don't care how many stars it is. Just be sure to leave some actionable feedback and what you do and do not like about Backlog Companion. As always, I want to thank you so much for traveling alongside me. I've been really enjoying these daily episodes. I want to thank you and catch you on the next one.